0: you know um all right so you know we're still going over uh why we use the King James Bible this is a series based on um uh this book a more sure word by RB Uyuet it's actually a book that I got from my old church for free he uh, our pastor felt it was a, a, an important enough topic um for the whole church family to understand and know and and i'm very much of that same belief um you know you you go to a church for years and you use the same bible that everyone else does and then maybe sometime you go to an in-laws and you have to go to their church and they're using a different version of the bible and you got to think why are they doing that those weirdos um and but but then you gotta um, think to yourself why do I use the King James Bible and not and not just be um, a person or a Christian uh, who just doesn't think about their faith? Uh, I think God wants us to understand Him um, and know Him, and one of the things we need to do is what's the best way to do that? That's one of, that's one of the questions we have to ask ourselves: is what is the best way to get to know God? And so, um, you know, you guys being in the in the age group that you are, um, I thought it was an important. It's an important time in your life. Uh, to where you're going to be influenced by others, and you're going to start to be exposed to these things. You know, eventually you guys will start dating, and and I pray that you guys will find good godly spouses. Um, but uh, you're going to be part of whoever your spouse's family is. And, and hey, look, that's not always pretty. Uh, and but sometimes it's it's phenomenal. But even then, um, you're gonna go like I'm. I'm we're going. We're planning a, a vacation to to Disney World. Okay, in in March. Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna ha- have a good time. Hopefully, uh, but we're looking to fly out. Um, you know, on a Sunday just because fares are a lot cheaper on a Sunday, uh, and return on a Saturday, which is a little more expensive. But anyway, that's besides the point. But When we go, you know, my wife wants to, out of courtesy, attend the church that her sister goes to. Uh, And I can tell you the last time that I went there, I was determined that I did not want to go there again. Um, You know, for multiple reasons, but their, their doctrine on Christianity and the Bible is simply wrong. You know, they look at the Bible as allegorical. Or, you know, a, a, a book for stories for us to, to guide us, but it's not 100 percent true. They don't look at the Bible as something that is God's preserved word. And after, you know, after experiencing that, my thought is, I don't know that I want to go there again, but I don't want to insult my wife because she gets a little you know, she gets a little defensive when I say, "We're not going there again." But like, what's one service? And I'm like, it's one service, honey. (laughs) You know, so kind of the same question, just looking at it from different angles. You know, um, so, you know, we're looking at flights on a Sunday, and luckily, uh, my sister-in-law's church uh, doesn't have Sunday night services. So I get to go find a church that's going to be an independent Baptist church on a Sunday night. So, (laughs) right? Right? So... Uh, so yeah, that's where I'm, you know, kind of, kind of works out that way. But, you know, I, I, I would go, uh, even if we were there on a Sunday, uh, I I would go out of respect to my wife and out of respect to my wife's family. Um, and I wouldn't go and raise any trouble. Uh, when I was younger, when we did this back in 2000, what was that? That was 2013. Uh, I I might've raised a little more ruckus than I would now, you know, uh, But being a little wiser, age brings a little wisdom and and, uh, restraint. So I probably wouldn't do that today. But so it's with these things in mind that, you know, we got to keep these things in mind. You know, you're going to have opportunities and and times in your life when, you know, somebody's going to ask you, why do you believe this Bible? Why do you believe this book? And so that's the... um, reason for this Bible study. So, you know, the first week we just kind of did an introduction. We looked at a couple of different things. Um, Last week we looked at, you know, defined some of the terms um, that are used in this debate, you know, the first one being uh, inspiration, that is God breathed his word I- into this Bible. The second term we discussed is preservation um, and we looked at scripture that really backs this idea that God preserved his word for his people. Uh, imagine what kind of a world it would be um, if God didn't preserve his word or, or if God just let his children just kind of go about without any direction, direct direction, um, for generations. Um, I think that would be, that's a, that's a mean father. That is a, that is a father that does not care about his children. And one of the things that we learn throughout the Bible is that God loves us and he loves his children. Um, you know, one of the worst things you can do as a parent, take this as a hint okay, because I'm sure you guys have run into this, where where your parents have an expectation of you, but they never ever told you what that expectation was. How many of you come across that? You know, I have times where I have expectations of my children, and I didn't tell them, and I get mad at them, and it's all my fault, right? That's, That's terrible parenting, okay? Um, and it's you know it's kind of the same in any relationship that you have. Um, you need to have ex- you need to speak what your expectations are to the people that you have a relationship with. If it's your friend, I expect you. If I say I'm going to be over at this time, that you're going to be ready, right? You Want to respect their time. How many of you have friends that are always late, right? Uh, th- that's not that's not a good you know thing to have in your relationship. And, and so, you know, God preserved his word for us uh, to lead us and guide us. And, and this is not, uh, by the way, this is not a concept that everybody holds uh, who, who who are God's children. Not everybody holds this concept that God preserved his word. Um, okay, so the, the, third, the third term that we looked at is illumination. In other words, God clarifies his word for us. Um, and uh, one of the other terms is the translation God uses man to render his word He, uses, he used men to record it um, and the final term that we looked at is canonization and that God's people recognize his word. So we're able to recognize God's word through how, um, these manuscripts, these texts that were used to translate his, uh, this Bible, um, how they agreed with each other, how the, how God's personality, uh, was the same throughout how Jesus was portrayed in, in these texts were the same okay so all of these terms we talked about last week and and so um, it, with with that in mind we're gonna talk about some of the trouble that comes with the difference in translations some of the trouble with doctrine and how it erodes some doctrine based on the two different ways and the two different, um, Uh, perspectives that come with the different ways of translation and using those two different texts. So we have the received text and the critical text. And we went over that a couple weeks ago. Uh, The received text being the one that the King James Bible is used uh, and based upon, and the critical text being what most other major English translations are based upon. Okay. Um, Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy 3.16 because we're going to start here every week. When it comes to um, our scripture, this is one that I use as a throughput um, for these lessons. It's not something that is outlined or gone through in this book, but it's something that I've uh, held on to. Um, So 2 Timothy 3.16, and we'll look at 17.2 because I think it's an important verse to go along with this. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Think about that verse for a moment. Uh, when it comes to this idea of preservation, just to, just to go back to last week for a little bit. If all scripture is given my inspiration for these purposes, for the purpose to be profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, if preservation wasn't something that we took seriously, how, how could we have confidence that this Bible is giving us those things which it talks about here in this verse, for the correction, for reproof, for doctrine, and instruction in righteousness. If preservation wasn't something that God took seriously or outlined in His Word, then this verse would be kind of moot. It would, it wouldn't. We couldn't have confidence in it. You know that that is something that I, I take um, very seriously when it comes to this because. Um, I can't have a good walk with God without his word. Um, How many of you, when you pray to God, um, audibly hear his voice? No hands should be raised because God doesn't speak that way anymore. How many of you have trouble interpreting God's will for your life, even through prayer? Okay, it's a difficult thing. Uh, I can tell you a recent occurrence in my life that was very difficult to discern and I had to trust God was moving me in the right direction was the the decision to move here. And and I can tell you almost two years later, I still have trouble with it. Um, Not because I don't think that God wants me here, because I do. Um, I understand what his purpose is uh, and, and this is it right here today. Okay, what we're doing here today is one of the reasons God moved me here. Um, because I can tell you, uh, what I do for a living doesn't motivate me uh, for God. And, and most of you in this room are, are going to be in that same boat. You're going to work jobs that don't motivate you for God. And and that's okay. You know, we talked about that a long time ago, but, but that's okay. Okay. Um, but when you move away from something that you've known for over a decade and still have a lot of friends down there and you know, um, and, and you look back at what they're doing and you miss it. And I came to a realization this week that I consider that place home. The only other place that I considered home was Michigan and I lived there for over 20 years. Um, but one thing that happened to me when I left Michigan, when my wife and I moved from Lansing, Michigan to Hamilton, Ohio, I, I never once long to be back in Michigan. As much as experience that I had there and as as much as I appreciate it because I met my wife there, I didn't want to move back. It wasn't something that I really had any desire to. Uh, Two years into being in Wisconsin, almost two years being in Wisconsin, I kinda want to move back to Ohio. I'm not saying that I'm going to. I'm just saying, personally, I want to move back there. It feels like home to me. Okay? but I have to, all of that being said, I had trouble understanding and hearing God's voice in because I so wanted to stay there. But at the end of the day, God led me to be here, start a class like this, and then help guide young people through the troubles of early adulthood in their Christian walk. I couldn't do that without a preserved word of God. If this were just allegorical, if this were just stories to, to guide us and not true history, and God's preserved word, um, I would have a hard time standing before you and and being honest with you and saying that, yeah, I trust that what I'm telling you is true. It's, it's a pretty simple concept. Um, so... We, we will look at, um, we're, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at passages because one of the defining traits of those who argue for a newer or different translation is there is no fundamental change in doctrine. So we're going to delve into that a little bit here and we're going to look at one specific part of uh, one doctrine. So we're going to look at some passages where this idea is not supported very well. Okay. Um, now, in these passages that we're going to look at, there's only a few words. Like mo- in most instances, there's only two to three words that are changed or left out um, from these passages. And we're going to see what kind of impact they might have on a specific doctrine. Okay? Um, so, first turn in your Bibles. Turn back uh, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Matthew, Mark. Mark, Okay. I actually, I knew, I knew where that one was. I've been, I've been a Christian long enough to where I knew, I knew Mark was after Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, we play, a, we play a song for my kids at night to help them learn, memorize where the books of the Bible are. Because I need help too, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, and and so sometimes it takes a while to get there because it's like a two-minute song. So if it's the New Testament, I'm like, 95 seconds later. Okay, there it is. All right, you know. Uh, all right, uh, Mark uh, chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 42. <clears throat> and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that, believes, that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. Okay, so other translation of this Bible, um, other translation of this Bible that used the critical text, they remove the two words, in me. So in that first part of this verse, and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, because Christ is speaking, believe in me that is removed in other versions of the Bible. So in an NIV Bible or other English translation Bibles that use the critical text, they remove that in me. So what impact does that have on this particular verse? Let's read it without it. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. Well, what are they believing in? It's not defined. Believing in God? Oh, that's okay, because when you look at, um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but 80% of Americans believe in God. And it's sad how, how many of you think that those uh, eight, that eighty percent are in a church this morning, H- hearing God's word? It's okay to believe in God. Hey, I believed in God prior to being saved. I, I couldn't look at this creation and say that yeah, it happened by accident. Hey, uh, I believed in God, but what I didn't believe in which is re- which is removed in other versions of this uh, of the Bible is in me that's Christ is referring to himself believe in Christ That that's a pretty big implication there two little words big implication big change doctrinal change uh let's move on to John chapter 6 John chapter 6 That's the that's the gospel after Luke John chapter 6 we're going to read uh, verse 47 <clears throat> and I have this one underlined in my Bible because um, I think it's, it's, a, it's an important verse John chapter uh, 6 verse uh, f- oh, 47 says verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me hath everlasting life on me is removed in other versions of the Bible verily verily I say unto you he that believeth hath everlasting life believe in what well, what do they believe in again do they just believe do they just have to believe in god and they have everlasting life that's not that's not what this book says it says believe on me and this is christ, again this is christ speaking so he's saying believe on me believe that jesus christ is the Savior, and you'll have everlasting life. You remove that on me, and all of a sudden it's just, okay, well, I just have to believe. Bel- believe what? Okay. You see how it's removing some criteria for salvation here? Okay. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Okay. I was trying to check the time. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Well, and again, this is. Uh, words removed what do you think is removed in this verse based on the two verses that we looked at prior to this what's that no it's not of God through Christ let's read it without it wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son and if a son then an heir of God boom done well how do you get to be that heir of God through Christ Again, it's removing Christ out of this requirement of being an heir. That's an important implication, right? I mean, as a, when you go to a fundamental Baptist church, one of, the, one of the first things that you're going to hear is you're going to hear a salvation message. Okay? And salvation in a fundamental Baptist church comes through faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins and that you need to ask forgiveness of sins from Him because He died on the cross for you. And with these, it's weakening that stance. Okay? Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians. huh? Now i got to remember where Colossians is. It's not very far, I don't think. Nope. Just past Philippians. There we go. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read uh, verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In, church, as in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Okay, um, in this one, through His blood is removed. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, this one is actually referring to Christ in, in this doctrine. But what do you think leaving leaving out through His blood would do to the doctrine of salvation? Okay, Jesus the it's an important part of salvation isn't it look, look if it's just all it took to believe that Jesus Christ was real I, I do believe that there would be a whole lot more people saved uh, but that's not what the doctrine is uh, then Jesus would have died in vain he, he would have sacrificed himself for absolutely no purpose uh, the shedding of his blood would not have mattered um, and, and, and this undercuts when we remove that. It undercuts the principle that is laid out in Hebrews chapter nine. No, ma'am. no. Hebrews is actually a little more forward in the Bible. Hebrews chapter nine. Uh, we're going to read verse twenty-two. Okay. Verse twenty-two says. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And here it is. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Removing uh, through his blood in that verse we read in Colossians um, totally undercuts this verse. Again, if, if it was just belief in Christ, um, if that's all we had to do, Christ never would have had to have died on the cross. He never would have had to shed his blood. But it would undercut this verse of that the shedding of blood comes remission of sin. Um, that's the principle that God has laid out throughout the Old Testament. There had to be a sacrifice, right? I mean, when the Jews um, when the Jews left Egypt, they, they started... God started uh, uh, sacrifices to cover and, have rem- and, and cover their sins. There was no remission of sins, by the way. They simply covered the sins. And, and that's the way it was for thousands of years until Christ came on, on the scene. And when Christ came on the scene and Christ got on, uh, came to earth, uh, his, he, had, he had one mission, to lead a sinless life so he could be a perfect sacrifice and that his blood would then remove all sin. All sin. For any who believed on him. For any who believed on him. So when we look at these these three little words in most cases, two little words in others, uh, we remove all of these words through these different translations, we undercut the, we undercut the doctrine of Christ is the only way to heaven. And he's the, by, it's only through belief that his sacrifice... Would remove our sins when we believe on Him. Uh, it, it it widens that path a little bit. Do you do you do you see that pattern there? Do you see how it does that? And and when we do that, it, it starts it starts to water down uh, people's faith in Christianity, and God's people then are weaker for it. Um, you know, it got me. It got me thinking about. It got me thinking about how, when when we start to weaken the Bible, um, it got me thinking about well, how many people actually believe in God? Okay, so I went back uh, and and I looked at uh, a Pew Research study. Okay, so uh, this. Uh, Pew Center for Research is a very well-respected um, research center um, in this country, and they did a survey of 4,700 Americans, fairly large sample size, You typically you don't get that large of a sample size, um, but they, uh, they wanted to study um, how many people believe in God, or don't believe in God. And the result was that 80% of Americans believe in God, and only 20% don't believe in God. And this survey was conducted in December of 2017, by the way. So it was fairly recent. Um, And, you know, I I, I got to thinking of how the impact of of newer translations making a wider path to salvation and going going the way that somebody wants to get there, which is an argument of a lot of um, lighter Christians, I would say, or uh, other denominations um, that's an argument that they will bring up is I I will go to God my way and you go to God your way. According to the Bible, there's only one way, but okay. Um, So, 80% of people believe but only 50% 56% of those those people surveyed believe that the God that presents himself in this book is true. Okay? Okay? Only 50% of Americans believe that God, how he's presented in the Bible, is how he actually is. So think about that. So if those 80%, that, that at least 24% of those the 80%, so 24% of Americans believe in God, but not the way that he's presented here in the Bible. Um, and so I wanted to look a little bit further. Um, how is it among your age group? 18 to 29 year olds, um, the number drops from 50 percent, 56 percent who believe in God as He's uh, presented in the Bible to 43 percent. So there's a 13 percent reduction in those younger that younger age group. That's a serious implication because they've grown up in a world where they have any translation they could want, they could think of. I mean, there's there's translations of the Bible that's in pirate speak. I, I, I kid you not. I mean, pe- people do this. Now, is it widely publicized? No. But people have done it. Apparently they wanted God to sound like Jack Sparrow. You know? Um, I, I don't know why that is, but that's the way they wanted to translate the Bible. And what they're basing their translation on, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but, but think about... People your age, and that only 43% of them are going to believe that God, as He's presented here, um, that's how God actually is. Now, in if that's the case, then I, and I don't believe this to be the to be the case. But 43, only 43% of the people you know believe in God the way He's presented in the Bible. And, and it's now there's not a there's not a I'm not saying that. Um, Cutting out these two little words or three little words here and there has led to this because I, I do believe there's a lot more um, at play. But I think weakening uh, the Bible and weakening doctrine has led to, has certainly contributed to the fact that um, a majority of Americans don't believe that God is pre- God has presented himself to as he's presented himself in the Bible. That, he, that he's not... The God of the Bible, that he's some God that they want to make of their own mind. I mean, hey, that would be a sweet gig. I mean that'd be awesome if, if that if that were the case. If I could live life like I wanted to and just say, No, I think God God's okay with me behaving that way. Obviously that's a slippery slope. You know, because the way that one man thinks is totally different than another or else we wouldn't have serial killers in this world. Um, but just, just think of that. Those, those, what is it, four or five passages that we looked at that had two or three words removed undercutting the doctrine of the deity of Christ. And, and that it's him, and that his shed blood leads to the remission of sins. And that without him, you wouldn't be saved. That's what those two or three little words did in this case, and does in those other versions of the Bible. I mean, I think that's that's a pretty serious thing, because we look at it as every word, every jot, and every title in this book is important. And the per- people on the other side, are, or people who use the critical text and the translators more specifically i'm not i'm not talking about individual people who read nivs or nasbs or anything like that i'm talking about the people who translated these they believe word for word does not matter they believe thought for thought is what matters and we just covered a few instances where that affects doctrine okay so um I don't know exactly what we're going to cover. We'll probably cover more of this, more instances, where um, we'll, we'll see Scripture changed from the King James Version to other versions of the Bible and what its impact is um, on doctrine. Okay, so we'll, we'll continue that next week.